Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. You're going to notice today that where we're going to read is coming up on Tuesday in your daily Bible reading plan. So today you're going to get some perspective, and then on Tuesday you're going to read it for yourself in your daily Bible reading. Is that all right? Does anybody need any good news today? Man, I don't know about you, but I need some good news because most of the news we've been seeing lately isn't necessarily uh, what most people would consider the best, right? Who needs some good news? Come on, the title of my message today is The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. I want you to turn to the person on your right and say, The Good. Turn to the person on your left and say, The Bad. Turn to somebody behind you and say, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, say the good, the bad, and the ugly. For this, we're going to go to Romans chapter 1, and in fact, we're going to read all of Romans chapter 1. Don't worry, it's not too long. I'm not going to keep you here for hours, but we're going to read the entire chapter of Romans chapter 1. Who's ready? But who's ready for some good news? I just warn you, we're going to see and hear some really good news today, but there's some bad and there's some ugly that we've got to take a look at as well. Is that all right? Let's go. Romans chapter 1. When I pause, you say it loud. Is that okay? Our wonderful media team has the scripture up there on the screen for us, so of course you can follow along in your own Bible. That's always a great idea, but also, if you'd like, you could just follow along on the screen. This is from the New Living Translation. This letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line, and he was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey him, bringing glory to his name. And you are included. Woo! We are included. Come on, turn to somebody and say, you're included. You're included among those Gentiles who've been called to belong to Jesus Christ. I'm writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his own holy people. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you and give you and give you and may the may God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Let me first say that I thank God, my God, through Jesus Christ for all of you because of your faith, because your faith in him is being talked about all over the world. And I thank God that Encounter Church's faith, believe it or not, is being talked about. It's being talked about. It's being talked about today in Mexico. It's being talked about today in Cuba. It's being talked about today in the Philippines. Our faith, the reputation of our faith, it may be small, but it's getting bigger. God knows how often I pray for you. Day and night I bring you and your needs in prayer to God. And I can tell you this for myself. I bring you guys before him on a regular basis. Then I love the next phrase. It says, whom I serve with all my heart by spreading the. I serve him with all my heart by spreading the. 
about his one of the things I always pray for is the opportunity, God willing, to come at last to see you. Paul is writing to the people in Rome that the gospel has reached them, but he hasn't been able to go yet. He says, I, I'm praying for the, the opportunity to come see you, for I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. And when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want encur- to be encouraged by yours. That is actually the reason why we have discipleship groups. Are you with me? Look, the reason why we have discipleship groups, shameless plug, get connected and committed in a discipleship group, is because we come together to encourage each other's faith. Okay? I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that I plan many times to visit you, but I've been prevented until now. I want to work among you to see spiritual fruit just as I've seen among other Gentiles. For I have a great sense of obligation to people in both the civilized world and the rest of the world, to educated and uneducated alike. So I am eager to come to you in Rome too to preach the to preach the what? The what? Good news. Not just any news, the good news. Let's read this all together. Verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. Let's do that again. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. One more time. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work. What is the power of God at work? The good news is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. The Jew first and also the Gentile. This, this tells us how God makes us right in his sight. I mean that right there, just the fact that God has made us right in his sight, that's good news. And the good news tells us how to be made right in God's sight. Anybody want to be right in God's sight? Does anybody want a right relationship with God? The good news tells us how. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it's through faith that a righteous person has life. And I'm going to stop right there before we get to the bad and the ugly. The message of Jesus Christ is good news. I'm going to say it again for the people in the back. The message of Jesus Christ is good news. I'm going to say it to my people on my right. The message of Jesus Christ is good news. 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 They couldn't be put to shame. Come on, everybody, listen. I know I'm repeating myself, but you have to understand. We must understand. We have to remember That the message of Jesus Christ is the good news. Now, this is very important to understand because not everyone interprets news the same way. Come on, somebody. Have you noticed, even in yourself, that what might be good news for some might not be that good news for you? 
what some report as bad news, you might interpret as good news. Yeah? I mean, just think about all the things we see on the news today. Vaccines, the economy, the elections, gun control, abortion. The list could keep on going. And what some interpret as what is announced as news, when it actually is news and not just something made up, but when it actually is news, right, some interpret as good news and others interpret as bad news. Yes? Some couldn't care less about the news. Hello? Let me tell you, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not a message you can choose to care less about. Because if you choose not to care about it, you don't receive any benefit from it. But not everybody, listen, not everybody interprets news the same way. In the gospel, some people will love. Others will hate. But everybody has to hear it. The gospel of Jesus Christ is good news, but by some it's received as good news. By others, it's received as bad news. By others, it's ridiculed and made fun of. But the reality is, it is good news, and everyone needs to hear it and make a decision for themselves if it's their good news or not. No matter how people interpret it, the good news is good news. Romans 1, just the first half of the chapter we read, says that those two words, good news, seven times. Seven times, okay? I think God is trying to communicate something to us here. Yeah? His, the message of Jesus is the complete good news. It's perfect news. Come on, look at me for a second. What if people don't like it? What if you don't like it? Because I've seen this. Yeah, Jesus, I like Jesus and all that. And then hear the good news. Oh, no. The actual message of Jesus. The gospel is good news. Some people will love it. Some people will hate it. But everyone must hear it. Seven times in the first half of Romans 1. Good news. I'm going to tell you seven things about the good news that we see right here. You ready? Number one, it's in verse 2. It says, this good news, or God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The promise of salvation and redemption through Jesus Christ, the Messiah, was not something that just all of a sudden appeared in the first century. The good news, the good news that God himself would come to save us has been promised throughout history, throughout the entire history of humanity. We see the beginning of the message of good news from the very beginning of Genesis. That God, get this, God created the universe by the power of his word, right? He made us in his image, but because we get this, we disobeyed his word, right? We fell short and were separated from him since the Garden of Eden because Adam and Eve decided that rather than obey God's word, which was good, they were going to go their own way and do what they wanted to do instead. And then the Bible says that then sin 
was propagated throughout history not because, listen, not because of Adam's sin, but the Bible says because all sinned, right? And God knew what the consequences, what the results of sin would be. So from the very beginning of what we read as history in Genesis, God says that the snake, right, which represents Satan, will be cursed. And it says the time will come. It says where he will bruise, speaking of someone who will be born of a woman in the future, right? He'll bruise, you will bruise his heel, but he will, anybody know what it says? Crush your head. From the very beginning of human history, the good news began to be proclaimed. There's one coming who's going to crush the serpent's head. There's one coming who is going to overcome the one who deceived you. And you'll be set free. The good news from Genesis all throughout Exodus, we begin to see it through history, through the Passover lamb, right? And the blood applied over the, over the door. And death had to pass over. We see it throughout the history, through the prophets. And we see the prophets again and again promising salvation is coming. Salvation is coming. Salvation is coming. The light of the world is coming, right? The virgin shall conceive. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And his name shall be Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting God, right? Emmanuel. God with us. It's been promised throughout history, and that leads us to the second thing about the good news and this is in verse 3. It says the good news is about his son. This is amazing. Look at me. The gospel is amazing. The very same thing the Father used to create the entire universe is that which He used to come and save us. His, his Son, which first was his, his Word. The Word of God, God Himself, became the Son of God. Why do we call Him the Son of God? Why do we call Jesus the Son of God? Because he was born. That's right. The ever-living Word of God, the all-powerful Word of God, he was the Word in the beginning. He was with God, and he was God. The very one that when God the Father spoke, all the stars were flung into never-ending motion, right? The heavens and the earth were created and everything in them. By his word, John chapter 1 tells us that the word became the son. Look at me. The word took on skin so he could deal with sin. The word took on skin so he could deal with sin. Come on, say that with me. The word took on skin so he could deal with sin. The incorruptible, perfect, 
God himself. God's very expression took on skin, took on flesh, and entered into the world so that he could enter in to the situation of sin and then take it upon himself and pay the price so we could be set free from sin. Something you nor I nor anyone could ever take upon themselves being sinners because all have sinned. Yes? God himself entered into the world in human form. The word became the son. Son of God. Son of man. Jesus is not God's son because God had a baby. Listen, this is important. Jesus didn't need to be born. He's eternal. He's God himself. He is the everlasting one. From everlasting to everlasting. Alpha, omega, no beginning, no end. He was the eternal word. He is the eternal word. He'll always be the eternal word. He didn't need to be born. But we know him as the son of God because he came. Born as one of us. And the good news is just that. This is the good news. We can't fix our sin problem. So he came to fix it in our place. You've seen those, uh, those new stores that are popping up all over the place. You broke, you break, we fix. Right? Have you seen it? You, or you break, I fix. It's something like that. We broke something we couldn't fix. So, the manufacturer himself. We've been corrupted and infected by sin. So, the one who's incorruptible came and took upon himself our corruption so he could cleanse us from it, uh, from it and set us free. It's about his son. The good news is not a message about values. The good news is not a message about how to behave right. The good news is not just a message of how you ought to treat others. The good news is this, and when we get to the bad, you'll see how good it is. The good news is this. We were broke, broken, broke and broken, and there was no way to fix ourselves. So God himself, our creator, came and took our brokenness upon himself to fix it all. That's the good news. And it is about his son, Jesus Christ. been promised throughout history it's about his son number three verse seven says that the lord may the lord jesus christ our god our father and the lord jesus christ christ give you what grace and peace <laughs> number three the result of the good news is grace and peace is that people read this i know I, many times i used to read this and it was like one of those lines you just read real fast to keep going Grace and peace. Gracias y paz, right? Grace and peace. People even use that as like a, a, a greeting. Grace and peace, my brother, right? Gracias y paz. 
do you know what grace is and what peace is? The good news is we fell out of right standing with God and we lost our peace with God. Grace is a lot of things. But first of all, we have to understand that grace is the place of undeserved privilege. Grace with which God created us in his image. A place of right standing, undeserved privilege. That Listen, grace is the place where we experience God's kindness. And that brings peace. What's the opposite of peace? War, right? Or strife. And this is what, what we have to understand. Sin puts us at odds with God. But people don't realize that. People don't realize that when we sin, we make ourselves God's enemy. When we choose a lifestyle of sin, when we choose to go our own way rather than obeying God's word and his way, we put ourselves at odds with him. We make ourselves his enemies. No peace. Now, people have a false sense of peace. People have been told that everything's all right. And you can live however you want and do whatever you want. And, you know, if there even is a God, I'm sure he's fine with it. Let me tell you this. That goes away pretty quickly. And let me tell you where it will go away forever. One day every one of us will stand before Almighty God. And if we're not in the place of grace, ain't going to be no peace. I don't want to enter eternity at odds with God. Because I'm very sure of who will come out as the winner. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I don't want to enter eternity as his enemy. I want to enter eternity as his friend. And I want to live every day of my life, my every single breath, as a friend of God. In the place of grace. Hey, what do you give your friends? When somebody is your friend, what do you give them? You give them grace. You treat them with special kindness because they're your friend. Hello? We don't have grace for everybody all the time, do we now? Come on, we ought to have grace for people because God's had grace on us. But when you have grace for someone, that means you just are kind to them because you want to be. Because of who they are to you. It's a place of, of privilege. It's a place of kindness. I want to live under God's kindness. How about you? Listen, I don't want to just experience his kindness here and there. I want to live in his kindness. That's the place of grace. Now, as if that weren't enough, you know what grace actually means at, at its root meaning too? It means... This, God's grace is that God did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Listen, let, let, me, let me put it to you like this. If you have Ariana, this is not your reality in Jesus' name, but if Ariana has a $1 million debt with the bank, and they're getting ready to foreclose on, er, on, on, on everything she owns, and that's not enough, so, since she doesn't have enough, what do you call it, collateral, she's going to go to jail for the rest of her life until she can pay back the million dollars. But in jail, how are you going to pay back a million dollars? What are you going to do? And I have a million dollars. Prophesying today. 
Come on, say, I receive it. <laughs> okay. This is grace. You can't pay your debt, but I don't want you to go to jail for the rest of your life. So I am going to give my million dollars to pay your debt. I am doing for her what she cannot do for herself. This is what happened when Almighty God, the Word of God, entered into a human body. The Bible says he was without sin. And because of that, he became the only acceptable sacrifice for sin. Only he could take sin upon himself and become sin itself and be judged as sin so that now we can come into the place of grace. It's called righteousness. Grace and peace is some good news. But it only comes through the Son of God. Everything else is a false promise. If anyone or anything else promises you Grace and peace, it's a lie. It's limited. It's corruptible. It runs out. Real grace and peace come from the Son of God. Number four, the good news. This is in verse 16, and I want us to go back there if, if you guys could help. We're going to go back to Romans 1.16 because I want us to See this, this is so extremely powerful. And those of you who believe the gospel, it's powerful, but I got a question. Anybody out there today desire for other people to be in the place of grace and peace with God? Is it your heart's desire to see your family, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, your classmates, your community, your nation also be in the place of right relationship with God, the place of grace and peace? I have something to tell you today. This is so powerful for me. It's got to be powerful for every Christian. There is one thing alone that can save somebody. There's one thing that works. It's not religious gimmicks. It's not our good strategies. It's not our great outreach ideas. Now, God can use it. Okay. There's one thing. No special method, no marketing, no sales tricks. There's one thing only that can save somebody. I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. I, I, I just don't know if I have what it takes to win souls. You got the good news. You don't win souls. The good news does. You don't confer. Listen, you don't awaken a dead heart. The good news does. You don't turn. I can't turn someone who's hell bent on sin back to God. But the good news can. My clever words, my persuasive speech. Paul said, I, am not, I didn't come to you with clever words or persuasive speech, but I came to you with one thing, with one message. Christ crucified. There's one thing, and listen, it says, let's go back and read it one more time. One, one slide back. I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is. The good news is the power of God at work, saving. I mean, when someone hears the good news, they're given the opportunity to receive the power of God working in them to save them. Will everybody receive it as good news? Will some people take it as bad news? Well, some people blow it off. But it's the power of God at work. And the moment they believe, it saves. Maybe you haven't believed today. Believe the good news. The power of God will save you. Save you from a life of sin. 
save you from the power of the devil. It's the power. The good news is the power. Listen, I don't know how to communicate this. Stop worrying about trying to convince people. Just give them the good news. I heard the Holy Spirit tell me this this week. Your job is not in sales. Your job is in reporting. You are not a salesman. You are a reporter. That's all we're supposed to do. Just report the good news. And don't mix anything in with it. Don't turn it into something it ain't. Just give the good news. Well, I don't know if they're ready for it. Then they're ready for hell. Because we're about to read the bad news here in just a minute. I, I, I don't know if I've yet um, gained the privilege of sharing the good news with them. How silly things we say sometimes, right? Because this is why we say things like that. Because we think of it as, i got to convince them that they're in sin and they're wrong and they need to stop doing that. That's not what you have to convince people of. You don't have to convince people of anything. You report the good news. The good news is God wants to make you right in his sight. God wants to forgive you of your sin. God is giving you the gift, the opportunity, the privilege of turning away from that sin and turning to him and being saved and receiving eternal life. Well, I don't know if I believe that or I want that. Okay, that's still the good news. Well, well, I might need some time to think about it. Okay, don't think too long. Come on, I just want you to say this. Those of you especially who who say, I want to win people to Jesus. I want to help people come out of darkness into light. Come on, say this. I am not a salesperson. I am a reporter. Number five. Oh, verse nine. Paul says, God whom I serve with all my heart by spreading the good news about his son. Number five, this is very simple. We serve God by spreading the good news. I hear people saying all the time, I just want to serve the Lord. Cool. There's a lot of things we can do to serve the Lord. But listen, you want to serve God with all your heart? Spread the good news. Report the good news. God loves that. How many want to serve God? With all your heart. Tell other people about the good news. Those that want to hear it. Those that don't want to hear it. Those that have never heard it before. Those who've heard it a thousand and one times, but maybe they just need one more time to believe. You don't get them to believe. You just serve God by spreading the news. Listen, this is something we have to grab a hold of. In the book of Revelation, we see a picture of eternity. And it says that there are so many people before the throne that you can't count them. A lot of people are going to be saved. A lot of people will accept the good news. So don't worry about those who don't just yet. Serve God by spreading his good news. Number six. This is in verse 17. It says, the good news tells us how to be made right in God's sight. It's accomplished from start to finish by. Come on, somebody. It starts and it ends and everything in betweens. With faith. Not knowledge. 
not philosophy, not religious performance, faith. Listen, that's part of the good news. We can't do it. It takes our faith in him. What does that mean? What faith means I can't. So instead of leaning on me, depending on me, what I can do, I believe what you did, Jesus. I believe in your sacrifice on the cross and your resurrection from the dead to defeat sin. So I can't, but I believe you can, so I lean on you. I put my hope, my trust, my everything in you. It starts that way, it ends that way, and we walk the whole journey that way. Some people, I think some people that, you know, sometimes we get real religious and we start with faith and then we try to finish it out with performance. And we turn what was the good news into good behavior. I promise you this, the good news will cause you to behave right. (laughs) But if we turn the message of the good news, the gospel, faith in Jesus and what he already did for us, he did what we couldn't do, remember, grace. When we turn that into, this is me trying to do my best to please God, we step out of faith in him and in faith into faith in ourselves. And then if you've ever done that, you'll realize you very quickly screw up. When I get my faith off of him and on me, I might take a few steps and then, wow, flat on my face. The good news starts, it ends with faith. And the righteous live by faith. We just read that. All right. Is that okay? Well, we've come to number seven. And that is this. And I'm going to ask you guys for the next. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to wrap this up in less than 10 minutes, okay? I'm going to ask you guys. Respect. Respect for God's word. What we're reading here is not it's not just a book. This isn't just history. It's not good ideas. It's the word of God. So if we could, you know, refrain from talking to one another, getting up and down, going in and out for the next few minutes, that would be greatly appreciated. Number seven. And here we're going to go to verse 18 and read out the rest of the chapter. Number seven, the bad news magnifies the good news. What we're about to read, as bad and ugly as it is, what it is is like a magnifying glass that shows us how good the good news is. See, People try to understand the good news without understanding there's very bad news. And the good news without the bad news, I mentor Pastor Joel Stocksell, he says it's the half gospel. And unfortunately, it's what's being preached in a lot of places. It's just the good news. But people don't even realize that the good news is good because they haven't realized how bad things are. Come on, somebody say the good, the bad, and the ugly. We ready? 
All right, let's read, starting in verse 18. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because God has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. Listen, no one has an excuse. So let's just get that one off the table. No one has an excuse for not at least knowing there is a creator. Because creation itself preaches the creator. The earth and the sky, the sun, the moon, the stars, the mountains, the ocean, the human body. Reveals, it says, the creator's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. Therefore, there is no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, here we go. Verse 21, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. What we're reading is a summary of human history. Okay? And they begin to think up of foolish ideas of what God was like. Does that sound familiar? Well, I think God's like this, or I think God's like that. Well, I don't think God would this or God would that. It doesn't matter what we think. He is who he is. He's the I am. When Moses asked him his name, I am that I am. That's my name. But let's, let's replace the word they with we. We began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. Are we bad yet? We're getting near the ugly. As a result, our, I mean, we're going to replace there with our because this is a, this is basically the diagnosis of humans, of humanity, okay? Our minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, we instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, we worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles and do not for one moment think, well, I don't do that. Well, I never did that. Our modern society worships a God that looks like a human. We worship a God of our own making, of our own opinion. The idol of the modern humanistic God So, I told you it's going to get ugly. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So, are you following? Because we traded the truth about God for a lie, for things we made up instead. So God just let us have it. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself. Who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen? Says amen. <laughs> amen? That's why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex, with, uh, have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relationships with women, burned with lust for each other. This is not popular. A popular chapter of the Bible is it now. 
Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. We deserved. Do you not find it interesting that the loudest shouting voices today are trying to break God's design for sexuality? They want to break it. They want to throw it out. And let's find us a new one. This isn't new. This is nothing new. It's the first thing that's addressed in the ugly. (laughs) Because we've become so bad, we started doing really ugly things. And I say this, listen, with a gentle heart, humbly. But God created sexuality, and he's the one who made it with his design. Just like he made everything else. We're going to read some more in a minute. With his design. When we decide to make our own design instead of go with his design, we break it. And it says, within ourselves, we suffer the penalty. There's a lot of heartache, shame, and disease. that can be completely avoided by going with God's design. And I don't say that to be mean. I'm not saying that to be whatever you want to call it, phobic. That's not what it is. God's heart is to restore people to his design because it's what's right. It's because it's what's good. It's because it's the way he made it, and it's the way it will be a blessing to us. Now, this is where we got to be careful. Sexual immorality is one sin. Let's be careful not to treat it as the sin. Okay? Probably at least half of us in the room, if not more like 99%, have participated in some sort of sexual immorality. God's heart is to restore us. But we have to agree with him. It said people say, where do you stand on the issue of homosexuality? I'll tell you how I stand. God, have mercy on me and all of us, for we've all broken it somehow. Where do I stand on the, where do we stand as Christians and as a church on the issue of sexuality in general? Jesus came and died to save us from all sin, of which adultery, fornication, lust, homosexuality, whatever. Again, the list goes on and on. Jesus spilled his blood to wash us clean. And Jesus rose from death to restore us back to life. Okay? Sin is sin. And look what it, this, this is how we, we ought to treat it. Let's continue to read. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, because that's what it is. When we decide to go our own way, we just think it's foolish to do it God's way, right? He abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, 
hate. Envy, sound like 2022 or what? Murder, like never before. I know I'm not the oldest in the room, but I've been around a while. I've never seen such a spirit of murder. Quarreling. People don't even know how to talk anymore without fighting. Deception. Whatever it takes to get what I want. Malicious behavior and gossip. See, the problem is we only look at sometimes as Christians, we have to be careful that we don't just read the first thing, sexual immorality, and we just read real fast through this. This is wickedness. They are backstabbers. Come on, somebody. Let's just read we. We are backstabbers. He's saying, that's not me. Okay, you're born again. Hallelujah. But this is our country. This is our nation. This is our society. This is our world. We are backstabbers, haters of God, just trying to get rid of him. Right? Insolent, proud, and boastful. Not only are we ugly, we're proud of it. This next phrase got me. They invent new ways of sinning. Listen, it's literally about every month or two, somebody invents a new way to sin. And they disobey their parents. We forget that that's the first commandment with a promise. Honor our mother and father. Say, well, I'm an adult. Okay. You were a child. I was. I definitely did that one. Look at verse 31. This, this, if, if anything describes our society today, it's verse 31. They refuse to understand. It's as plain as day. We have the word, we have the good news in about 727 million translations. Available. But people refuse to understand. I don't want to. I want to do my thing. I don't want to understand. Even if it's right. I don't care what's right. I want my right. Break their promises? What is a promise even anymore? are heartless and have no mercy. People don't have any compassion or mercy for each other anymore. Come on, let's be careful. Because look what it says. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. Not just this is my sin, but you better accept it and you ought to do it too. But listen, people of God, you may think you can condemn such people. But you're just as bad. And you have no excuse. Come on, say, I have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you're condemning yourself. For you who judge others do these very same things. We know that God in his justice will punish anyone who does such things. I mean, I told you it gets bad and ugly. Since you judge others for doing these things, what? why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? You ready for the good? Don't you see how wonderfully kind Tolerant and patient God is with you? Yes. <laughs> Come on, that's a question. Don't you see? Listen, don't you see how wonderfully 
kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? It might not mean anything to others, but doesn't it mean something to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from sin? The world is a mess. Listen, sometimes, sometimes, and I'm not accusing Encounter Church of this, but if the shoe fits, wear it. And actually don't wear it. Take it off and change them. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes the church looks just like the world. We just sing songs and say his name and proclaim to be right and righteous. That's why the good news is so stinking good. The old hymn is so true. Right? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. We are hopelessly lost without God's mercy and kindness. It is his mercy and his kindness that we haven't slipped off the cliff into the abyss. If you are, listen, this is so important to grasp. If you are walking with Jesus today, it's his mercy and his grace. It's not because you're good. It's his kindness. Listen, if today you're living a life of, of a right life, a, a life that pleases God, you're living a life of obedience to God. Because I know many are. Many of us are pursuing a life of obedience to God. We're not living like we just read in Romans 1, right? It's not because we're right. It's because his kindness led us away from the wrong way into the right way. And it's his kindness that continues to lead us forward. And if we ever get our eyes off that very soon, We'll find ourselves in a mess again. The gospel is not to hear and believe one day in the beginning when you first decided to follow Jesus. The gospel is our life. It was good news when I first heard it. It was good news when I first believed. It's good news every time I fail. It's good news every time I obey. Because I know it's his kindness and his grace that even allows me to. It's good news when I've really messed up that I can come and repent and be restored once again. It's good news. indescribable kindness of God is revealed through the incarnation death and resurrection of Christ <laughs> the gospel listen the gospel the fact that he came and died rose again and ascended back to the father to restore us 
is the clearest picture of God's kindness to humanity. It's an undeniable, clear picture. God is good. We are bad. But when we believe the good news, he makes us right and good again. And if we walk with him by faith, believing the good news, he keeps us right. We not only enter into the place of grace and peace, we stay there. We live there. And I don't know if everyone here has responded to God's kindness. It says that God's kindness turns us away from sin. God's kindness leads us to repent, to turn away from our own way and to turn back to him. It's his kindness. I don't know if everyone here has believed, really truly believed the good news and turned away from your sin and turned your heart to him, but you can today. If you need today to believe Fully believe and trust in Jesus by faith. Turn away from your sin and turn your life over to God. Today, right there where you are seated, do it. Do it right now. And say, Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I believe. Come on, these aren't magic words that you need to repeat. But if this is your decision, if this is your heart's desire, tell him today. Jesus, I believe, I believe you came. The living, ever-living word of God, you came into the world. You took on flesh, you took on sin, and then you died in my place. You took my sin upon yourself on the cross. And then you defeated sin by rising from the dead, and you ascended back to the Father, to give me everlasting life. Jesus, I believe in what you did for me. Jesus, I put all my trust, all my faith in you. I don't trust in myself or anyone else or anything else any longer. I trust in you and only you. Jesus, I surrender to you. I want to be born again today, even right now. Jesus, save me. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.